Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is episode 103, and we kick things off today with a somber tone. We woke up to some pretty startling news. It was that all the gains that we have made in the job market over the past decade have been lost over the span of the past four weeks. In April, in April, we've lost 20.5 million American jobs. Here's a little exercise for you to do. Uh, close your eyes. Not, not if you're driving. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. Maybe just visualize this in your mind. Remember back to a day when you and I were allowed to get together in groups of 10 or more. Envision yourself in a group of 10 people and look around. Maybe they're people you know, your family, friends, such like that. Look around that circle. One of those people has lost their job. More than that, as a matter of fact. That's the condition in which we find ourselves right now battling this coronavirus. That is the toll it's taken on the job market. We right now, across the United States, are facing 14.7% unemployment. 14.7% unemployment. We've had a fall-off in the past few weeks. Uh, steeper, sharper, and more abrasive and jarring than almost at any point in American history. The U.S. economy, as I said, lost 20.5 million jobs in April. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and we're going to walk through some of those uh, nitty-gritty details to come from the Bureau in just a moment. But what I want to do now is highlight the fact that this job loss, that these numbers, that this slide in the month of April represents by far the most sudden and largest decline since the government began tracking this data. You know how far that long ago that was? It was 1939. 1939, we haven't seen anything like this. There were steep cuts in March as well, when we were really getting into gear in our battle against the coronavirus. During the month of March, 870,000 jobs were lost. 870,000 jobs in one month. We thought that was bad. We lost 20, almost 21 million jobs in April. Now, let me put that into even greater perspective for you. Think back to 2008. That was a long time ago. During that year, we endured a financial crisis. And during that time, there were 8.7 million jobs lost during the full duration of that financial crisis. And it took us a long time to climb back. And we've lost all that ground. And this morning as I woke up, it broke my heart to think about all the folks that are, as they, as they get out of bed each morning, maybe they've turned the alarm clock because there's no workplace to report to. Maybe they've turned the alarm clock off because they don't have a place to go to put in an honest day's work and earn a paycheck so they can bring it home, feed their family, keep food on the shelves, clothes on their back, and a roof over their head. I consider myself very, very lucky to have a job still, and it breaks my heart to think of those who don't. Uh, what I want to do is, I told you, I got my hands on the actual report from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. I, over these past few minutes, have been talking in pretty somber tones, but I want you to know that there are those that have reason to be optimistic. 
There are those who look at the numbers today and uh, evaluate them thusly. They're not as bad as it could have been, and they're not as bad as it was predicted. Uh, For example, the Wall Street Journal, they did a survey of various economists, and the prediction amongst those economists was that when we got the jobs report today, that instead of 14.7% unemployment, that we would currently be facing 16.1% and 22 million jobs lost. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for if you're looking for bright spots, uh, just know that what we learned this morning, what became reality this morning, is not as bad as some of the economists had predicted. So, uh, there's one thing. Now, let's jump into the numbers together because I found something in here. It's buried pretty deep, but there is reason to be hopeful. Uh, let me start at the top of the data, and I'll go down here until that bright spot that I found. Uh, so, to to recap, we've learned that the non-farm payroll employment, those are folks who don't work in farms, uh, they, that fell by 20.5 million in April. Unemployment rose to 14.7%. That, of course, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, the news, or this this bit of information, represents stats from two monthly surveys, and, and those are uh, distributed, of course, by the, the Bureau. Uh, let me see here. As I scroll down, this is what I wanted to share with you, and it has to do with the difference between being fired and laid off or furloughed. Let me read you this paragraph from the findings, and then we're going to hear from an expert here in just a moment. The number of unemployed persons, again, this is coming from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is the authority on all these doom and gloom numbers that we're hearing in the headlines, and I'm sharing with you right now. The number of unemployed persons who reported being temporarily laid off increased tenfold to 18.1 million in April. The number of permanent job losers increased by 544,000 to 2 million. So what does that mean? It means that of these 20.5 million Americans right now who are without work, the hopes are that they are without work in only a temporary circumstance. That once this coronavirus gets behind us, that we've either developed herd immunity or we have a vaccine or we have somehow uh, gotten to a point where we are comfortable reopening government. When we get back to the green the green level of things and we're comfortable opening the government and the economy and folks can return to work, the hopes are, according to this report, that those uh, 18.1 million Americans will be able to return to work. My heart breaks to the 2 million who have reported that their job loss is permanent, but there are 18.1 million who are still holding on to hope, and I'm holding on to that same hope with you. Let me, uh, just for a moment before we go to break, share with you some of the words from an expert here in town, Senior Vice President at Zions Bank, Robert Spenlove, was a guest on Utah's Morning News this morning with Tim and Amanda. He was asked initially, what are your, uh, what are your, your first reactions to today's numbers? Yeah, this is a historic report. It's a uh by far the worst we've ever seen in our nation's history. Uh, top line number, uh, we lost uh, over 20 million jobs uh, in the month of April, which is which is devastating. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to hear more from Mr. Spendlove, again, Senior Vice President at Zions Bank. He was asked what will happen to those furloughed workers uh, it, once the, their former places of employment are given the green light to reopen. That number uh, is 18.1 million individuals who find themselves in that circumstance. We'll see what Mr. Spendlove predicts to be their future next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. 
You heard Nick Wyatt there delivering the new coronavirus numbers here in the state of Utah. There's good news and bad news in the numbers that he just shared. The, of course, great, wonderful news is that today there were no new deaths reported to have come as a result of the coronavirus. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, there is some bad news. There were 195 new cases reported in this batch of numbers. That represents the second highest daily new case count since the outbreak began here in Utah. The highest new case count here in Utah was on April 2nd when we had 203 new positive cases. Today, uh, the report is 195. I don't want to dwell too long on these numbers, but I want to point something out about the coronavirus.utah.gov website. You heard earlier in the week a conversation I had with a friend of mine, Dr. Mobley. He talked about the importance of paying attention to the right numbers and the informative, helpful numbers. And he lamented a bit that the uh, state officials were not releasing the number of individuals occupying hospital beds and that those numbers weren't broken down along demographic lines. Well, if you make your way to the coronavirus.utah.gov website right now, you'll find out that it was uh, not long after Dr. Mobley made those comments on this program that the state, in fact, did start reporting exactly that data. And so you can go on there now, and if you find, uh, just click around a little bit, you'll find it. There's some added data which will tell you how many people who have tested positive for the coronavirus are occupying hospital beds right now. And then it'll break it down even further, how many of those are men, how many are women, and then along further demographic lines, age and such like that. Anyway, uh, check that out if you have the time. We're going to speak to Dr. Mobley next week, and he's going to share with us uh, some of the extrapolations and some of the, uh, some of the insight that he has regarding these new numbers that have been released. I'm grateful that the state has done that. I think it's a wonderful help, and it gives us a better uh, understanding of how things are going. I I want to now turn back to this relatively sad story of unemployment. There are some bright spots to be seen. Uh, one of them is that of the total number of those who have reported to be out of work right now, the overwhelming majority of them have said that they are in a temporary uh, unemployed status. They've been furloughed or laid off. I want to, uh, before we go to my conversation with Caleb Silver, editor-in-chief of Investopedia, I want to uh, turn back for a moment and hear from Robert Spenlove. He, the senior vice president at Zions Bank, was asked this morning on the morning news with Tim and Amanda, what happens when the furloughed workers' businesses are given the green light to reopen? Yeah, and that, that's the big question is, uh, while, while this is uh, severe, it's dramatic, uh, not only dramatic in the amount, but the time. You know, it usually takes years. Uh, months or years to uh, to see an economy fall off this quickly, this has happened in a period of weeks. Um, and the, the hope, and this is what we just don't know yet, the hope is that as the economy starts to reopen, that we'll see some of these numbers uh, start to improve. But uh, it, it's it's really tough. And, we, and, and we've seen signs of this coming, you know, for the past few weeks when you look at those unemployment insurance claims, they've been mounting and getting higher and higher uh, but now uh, we actually see the impact of this, and, and we've got to th – this is where it's so important for our country to come together and rally around and try to uh, dig out. All right, the U.S. employment rate has hit 14.7%. That is the new news. Those are the April numbers, a level last seen during the Great Depression. Uh, this as 20.5 million jobs have vanished uh, from – the, the the job market mostly uh, or it's, it's the worst monthly loss on record stark evidence 
of how the coronavirus has quite literally brought the economy to its knees. Meanwhile, if you are, a, say, a day trader, you keep a close eye on your stocks and your portfolio and such like that, maybe you uh, touch base with the various indices, uh, the stock market has... It might be an overstatement, but I think not. It's come roaring back. Uh, my guest now is Caleb Silver, editor-in-chief of Investopedia. Let me ask you, Caleb, how does that work? Thanks for having me. Investors, especially stock investors, are always betting on the future. You're always betting on the future profitability of a company and the ability of that company to return money to shareholders because their business is going to do better going forward. That's the big bet you make. That's the risk you take as an investor. So the stock market has been roaring back since the lows of March 23rd. Meanwhile, the economy couldn't be worse. But the economy and the economic reports we get are always in the rearview mirror. They're always rearview mirror looking. We just look at April's jobs report. We're midway through May. Um, May's going to be bad, too. But the hope is that the economy will pick up steam. And we're already seeing economies come back to life and states come back to life. And hopefully the hiring will come back with it. Is this universally true or are there sectors of the stock market that are just uh, crippled, as is the employment rates? Oh, the energy sector is completely crippled. The entire energy complex has, has basically been destroyed in terms of market value. Let me just give you some perspective on that. Oil has gone down about 75-80% this year alone, and that's taken some of the biggest oil and gas companies down with it. But the entire services sector around the oil and energy economy, that might not recover. It may take years. It may take generations because things have changed in a big way. So other sectors, though, have come back and. At first, it was just the big technology stocks that were leading the stock market back. Microsoft, Apple, Google, Facebook, um, uh, Amazon, you name it. Those big companies represent 20% of the value of the S&P 500. That's dangerous when just five stocks represent that much value. But in the last two weeks, we've seen a broad-based rally across sectors, and you're seeing even the smaller stocks in the Russell 1000. These are stocks under $2 billion in market cap. They've come back, too. So the big bet by stock investors is it is going to get better. What, uh, what should folks like me know, who I am just a, a casual observer of the stock market, I rely heavily, or I put, I put a lot of my faith in the future on my 401k, are there moves I should be making or things I should be watching? Well, it really depends on your time horizon. If you are looking at potential retirement in 20 to 30 years, you want to be a little bit more balanced between stocks that are, which are risky but give you higher reward, and bonds or cash that obviously are much less risky but much, uh, uh, much lower rewards. That's that comes to, you know, that's always been the case. That said, if you sold, if you're just an investor like I, you and me are, we invest in our 401k and we know we own some mutual funds and some, and some stocks, and we were terrified and we sold stocks as the market was um, heading down precipitously in February, and then we tried to time on the way up, we probably missed the biggest rallying days of the century. So we can't time the market. We have to have a steady plan, keep investing for our time horizon and our risk level. And if we do that, the market bounces back eventually. It goes up 5 to 7% a year on average for the last 50 or 70 years. And I know this is a huge crisis. It's not going to change that. Of the century, this, what we are experiencing right now is truly that singular and unique? Oh, absolutely. We've never seen a recession hit so quickly, wipe out this many job losses in history, uh, send the employment up rate up to a place where it hasn't been in almost a century. That's never happened. This is a black swan event that came out of nowhere and brought the economy to a complete standstill versus 2008-2009, which started in the financial sector and in the housing market and bled into other parts of the economy. That was very different. It was a longer-lasting, deep recession. This came at us really fast, and it's bouncing back fast, but the stock market is going to recover a lot faster than the economy is, and that's going to be frustrating for people and their personal finances.
Yeah. Caleb Silver, Editor-in-Chief uh, at Investopedia, my guest. Thank you so much for your expertise and your time, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a position in government, uh, a position that serves the president. That position is called a valet. What is that? Sounds hoity-toity. Well, the president's valet has the coronavirus. I'll explain to you what that means and what exactly is a valet next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.